Beloved by God, Church, let us begin our service before the Lord. Let us stand up and confirm the confessions of our heart, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ be enthroned within our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are thankful to your holy name for the privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights that are not reachable for us and destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service, as previously, all the works of, devil, of the devil be cursed, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, demonic possession, all matter of fear, destruction, dest- ignorance and error, all of these things, may they depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, O Lord, upon the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face. Give us more of your Spirit, saturate us with your Holy Spirit, allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray, lead it with a powerful arm. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May be blessed. Please be seated. The book of Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Returning to the old path of good. Our pastor, Arkady, focuses on the word old. Old is not old in the form of wilting and no good, not good anymore. This is those ancient laws, commandments God lives within and he wants his children that he will share eternity with to also live according to these laws and commandments. As a basis for our study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to, in short and exact definitions, explain the consistency of the order that exists within the teaching of Christ. And our pastor has presented this place of scripture, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, in a more elaborated format, where we will be able to see its depth, its importance, Hebrews 6, 1 through 2, therefore sprinkling yourself with the elementary teaching of Christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will then build ourselves into a house of God because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of doctrine of baptisms, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already studied the doctrine of the baptisms, in three functions, baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire, and the doctrine of laying on of the hands in its three functions, covenant of blood, salt, and rest, and the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead in the functions of three births, birth from water, from the Spirit, and to the throne. Therefore, we will immediately turn to the study of the doctrine of the eternal judgment, which in Scripture is the triumphant accord, in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ and contains three mutually linked levels of the will of God. 
Romans 12, 1, 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed with this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The good will, acceptable will, and perfect will. These three are the components of the judgment of God, the teaching of the judgment of God. The functions of the three wills of God combined are identified in Scripture as a work of righteousness in the works of justice and a work of sanctification in the acts of holiness, clothing a person into the armor of light, demonstrated in the eternal judgment. And so this phrase, we see here, Apostle Paul shows that uh, eternal judgment contains in itself the will of God. This is the triumphant will in the teaching of Jesus Christ. In this final triumphant accord, the Lord magnifies his word as he did with the very first ones. If you remember, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon, when you say hearing God or listening to God or I learn to listen to God. And so the Lord continues to bring forth the hearing of the word. He brought it forth in the word named Simon uh, as praise one, praise that God wants to hear. First, I learned to hear him. And then in the end, God wants to hear us or our praise. He wants to hear me. And so this is that moment. As in on Friday, in the labors of pastor, we see the collaboration of our mouth with the mouth of God. And then when David prayed in his words, he says, it is not, not I who speak, but it is the Lord that speaks inside of me. This, these were his concluding uh, words, the words that he spoke at the end of his book, that it is not I who speaks, but the Lord who speaks within me. And so if you remember Simon, son of Jonah, his name was Cephas, so that we collaborate our mouth with God's mouth, it is necessary that in the first step our heart be built into, or our spirit to be built into a lamp of the Lord. This is the lamp that, this is the word that is placed above my intellect, and then my mouth will collaborate with the words that of that person who is placed over me. And when I collaborate my heart with the words of the person whom God has placed over me, then I will be able to collaborate with God's mouth or will confess the faith of my heart. And so in this function of God's will, the good, acceptable, and perfect will, the Lord shows his work of righteousness and sanctification, which clothes us into light, and light is always a problem for evildoers because they scatter into their own corners. Revelations 22:11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. Who He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. This is what these evildoers do in the night. But as soon as a light is lit in the church and people begin to shine in the kingdom of heaven, these people begin to run out from the church. 
And why? Because he who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. God was, is, and will always be the judge. God's judgment is in the eternal and unchanging character of God, which identifies his unchanging word. God can be judged by his unchanging words. When we read this book, uh, you start you start to ask the question uh, who is the author of this book I say Lord God in the name of your son Jesus Christ he is the author of all the books of the Bible we come in reverence and respect before God we say Heavenly Father because what I found in this book and he is the one who wrote this book and so I need to and want to speak with him with reverence and respect because in this Bible he has demonstrated his character and so when we see preachers today yelling shouting uh, doing all kinds of foolish things on the stage that means they have never actually met with God they as emissaries of Satan actually are drawing people away from God not to God and it is these people that Jesus spoke about when he said, do not worry, this is a tree that my Heavenly Father did not plant. Don't worry for them. These emissaries are necessary to take from the church all that is lawless, all that is evil, all that is filthy, and pull them away as a magnet. In a particular format, we together in the doctrine of of the eternal judgment, which contains the three levels of God's will, already study the first level, the power contained in the good will. Therefore, we will immediately begin and finish the power of the acceptable will, continue to study it, and then we will go on to the perfect will. And we we trust that our pastor will be rejoining us very soon and bring us the great joy of of being of, of being here and being able to give us give to us the breads uh, that we still need to receive and put upon our table of showbreads. And so I, of course, can't help in that process if our table is not set up as a table to receive these showbreads. There's a work that is required. I take these breads and I together uh, need to bring them uh, to a point where they're accessible for my mind and my soul so that I could proclaim these words. God gives his apostles so that they can give these breads to us so we could put them up upon our table of show breads. So we will trust that uh, our pastor will soon uh, be bringing us the new revelations that are in his spirit. Now let's look at these uh, his labors here. The wall of the heavenly Jerusalem, consisting of the twelve precious foundations, the teaching of the eternal judgment, demonstrated in the acceptable will of God, is made of the precious jacinth jacinth stone. Uh, Jacinth uh, stone is the eleventh foundation, and it is in the acceptable will. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, eleventh jacinth. Revelations 21, 4, 19, 20. We need to not forget that the precious stones making up the foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem implies the qualities of a good heart in which God dwells and that dwells in God. Precious stone is a heart where God dwells 
and that dwells in God. God looks at our heart as this precious jacinth stone. You see how the Lord looks at our heart. From which we can conclude that when God will be building a relationship with man by the power contained in his acceptable will, then he will be speaking to man by the voice coming from the sacred mystery of the jacinth, which in this foundation represents the name written upon it, the name of the apostle Simon the Canaanite. This is the 11th precious stone jacinth in the heavenly Jerusalem, and the 11th apostle is Simon the Canaanite. Matthew 10, 2, 4. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these, 11th Simon the Canaanite. The name Simon in the foundation of the acceptable will means to hear. At the same time, his surname, Canaanite, means zealot or jealous. And so, again, being zealous and being able to hear. Combined, the name Simon the Canaanite, identifying the 11th foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem, means giving the ability to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart and be clothed into the garments of zeal to please God. Only working in such tandem can these two magnificent characteristics elevate us to the level of the acceptable acceptable will and make us a partaker of of its abilities. Only in tandem, again, working together, Simon Canaanite, being able to hear and be zealous, clothes us into the power of the acceptable will. And so this is a zeal that is knowledgeable. And so the ability to be knowledgeable with understanding, if you have a question, then you come to the priest and ask, and he will give you the response. Listen to what he says, and he will. And so with knowledge means not just uh, right now we are looking and studying these uh, these these truths, this form of truth that the Lord, ha- our pastor, uh, the Lord through our pastor has given to us. And so, Simon, I hear the response. I hear the preached word that our pastor has passed on to us. We abide in them and we begin to meditate ab- about it and it becomes our knowledge. This And zeal is a very strong form of love. Uh, in the good sense, there's a zeal that is very, uh, this is a very, uh, it could be in a very negative sense as well, where people use it for very negative things. And a zeal and, je- and, and a form of jealousy too, where, where a spouse may have communicated with someone different, someone's very jealous, uh, and not trusting of their partner. And so the devil, he achieves this by first creating that little crack and then continuing to hit against that crack so that it shatters. And so what is this zeal that is with knowledge? This is a love agape. In a particular format, we already studied the power relating to the virtue of the name Simon the Canaanite, written upon the 11th foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem. Therefore, we will immediately go to the characteristics and purposes that are specifically contained in the power of the acceptable will with which we are called to collaborate so that we can please God. And if in the good will we obtained righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus, 
and became holy by the fact of our birth from the seed of the word of truth, then in the abilities of the acceptable will, we as a response to what God has done for us receive the ability within the boundaries of the acceptable will to perform righteousness in the works of justice and hallow God in the acts of holiness. And so we immediately see here the good and acceptable will. In the good will, we become holy. In the acceptable will, we as holy people begin to perform righteousness and hallow the Lord in the acts of justice. The good will makes us holy freely by grace in the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And not and this is not by our earnings or our deeds, but this is something that the Lord, I don't become righteous because I don't sin. It's because He is without sin and He uh, died for me when I was still in my sins. And that's why I can be holy. And so when He had committed His act, when He had done the work, I received the righteousness of God. My name is is written into the book of life and now the Lord says I want you to write your name into the book of remembrance and that it is written in the act of the acceptable will this is the acceptable will and this is not so that you can earn your justification but to uh, be able to act as you're the holy person that you are and you perform righteousness and works of justice and hallow God in the acts of holiness and your deeds are then written into the book of remembrance and this is very important if the first book the book of life our name is written into the book of life this is what he has done for us and it gives us the right to be where God is the second book the book of acts or, or the book of remembrance uh, this will determine how close we will be to God. And in this way, be clothed into power to daily abolish within your essence the power of the old man and to, and to rule over him. The word itself acceptable regarding God's will, identifying the initial goals and intentions of God means. Acceptable means, and there are eight of them. And so, acceptable is pleasant and satisfactory to God. Acceptable is attracting or getting God's attention. Acceptable is satisfying the demands of the order implemented by God. Acceptable is upright or pure in the eyes of God, coming at the time God appoints, achieving goals or striking the target or goal placed by God, fulfilling the conditions that God has placed. And acceptable is drawing the favor of God or God's God's favor or God's good graces upon yourself. This is an acceptable person. All of these things need these need to be opening up God's potential in us. As and as we noted earlier, building the eleventh foundation within your heart, giving the ability or giving us the ability to please God, becomes possible only after we are born from the Spirit and make a covenant of salt with God in the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it is specifically the covenant of salt that contains all of the conditions and all of the instructions that identify the function of the acceptable will. The acceptable will can only be revealed in the covenant of salt when we are born from the Spirit 
and we're born from the Spirit, so that in the baptism of the Holy Spirit we make a covenant of salt, and in the ability of the covenant of salt we begin to perform <clears throat> or begin to uh, please God. We are born from water, <clears throat> we receive baptism of water, we, we make a covenant of blood, this is in the good will, and in this way we perform then God's good will. <clears throat> but we now need to write our 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 deeds in the book of remembrance is the next step and every day a book of remembrance is being written and now you know you need to be born from the spirit and i need the baptism of the holy spirit and in speaking in tongues and many uh people of the pentecostal faith unfortunately don't fully understand what it means uh, to be baptized in the holy spirit And so the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus Christ. And so again, we receive everything in a form of a seed. We receive Jesus Christ also in a form of a seed, and this seed needs to produce fruit within us. And so look, let's look at, according to Scripture, where the will of uh, the acceptable will of God is demonstrated. The first component of the judgment of God in collaboration with the power of the acceptable will is one of the greatest mysteries of God which is called to happen by having the virtue and state of a babe or infant in Christ. And so the first component <clears throat> where Pastor Kadi would show the acceptable will I would have said, well, he start, we'll, he'll start with the 24 elders. No, he's starting with the infants and babes. And so this is not referring, of course, to their age, but by state are like this. The 24 elders have these qualities of an infant and, and that a spiritual person is also supposed to have. And so, uh, showing this, uh, I would start, of course, as someone you would think, but we'll get to the 24 elders, but uh, these infants and babes, they, they have qualities that every holy person needs to have that is born from the Spirit. Luke 10:21. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Luke 10.21 And so this is again to hide it from the wise and prudent and give it to babes. And so we need to pay attention to the fact that Jesus implied his disciples when he spoke of infants and babes whose names are written in heaven. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Psalm 8.2 and so it's talking about an enemy and an avenger, and there is praise in the form of ordaining strength as ordaining praise. And so who is the enemy and who is the avenger? The enemy in the given situation are snakes, scorpions, and all of the power of the enemy, who is Satan, the old man, and his representatives as well. At the same time, the avenger is the heavenly father, who shows no partiality in his judgment, therefore his vengeance falls on anyone making attempts on his holiness and who break his commandments. 
We need to know that the main weapon of the organized powers of darkness against the chosen by God nation is accusations, deception, blame, and things that follow, offense or resentment, which produces hatred and bloodshed. We're talking here about where this quality and characteristic of an infant is. If we don't have it, then what the organized powers of darkness unleash against us as it says accusation deception blame why because these specifically these three things uh, produce then offense and offense produces then hatred and bloodshed and so it's very important for him to have us be offended a good heart that lacks the ability to receive and carry offense presented in the image of a babe or infant makes the enemy silent depriving him of the ability to use his destructive weapon in the form of deception and accusation specifically a person who does not receive he's offended but he does not get upset because like in the time of the the sermon of the tithes we need to remember that God is the supreme judge who is who continues to hold a grudge and keeps offense in his heart is one who wants to judge himself wants to avenge himself but God says, I am the avenger, allow me to judge. And so this characteristic of an infant that only a spiritual person will have is this accusation and all kinds of things that are released against him. He is not upset, but makes at this time then the enemy uh, silent, not allowing his uh, weapon against us. And so due to these characteristics, as the Heavenly Father, as the Supreme Judge, and avenger for blood when he sees a heart that forgives offenses and refuses to carry its deadly bitterness he forgives our sins and does not bring his judgment against us mark 11 25 26 and whenever you stand praying if you have anything against anyone forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses but if you do not forgive neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses and so it is necessary for us to forgive one another and one of the components is and we come back again to the sermon of the tithes when God was correcting the priests why are you bringing to me what is sick what is sick and when we bring our tithes with a a bitter or offended heart And so he instead says, close the temple and don't waste these these logs, this wood, if you're bringing these offerings to me and they're, and they're defiled. If you don't want to be free your heart of these offenses. The priests say, well, we don't want to close the doors of the temple. We repent and say, Lord, you are the avenger and you avenge your people. And so these are very important characteristics that when we're able to forgive those who offend us, then... We have pleased God. When a person repents in his sins, but himself does not forgive his offenders, his sins re- uh, remain upon him, and the this, he then turns God's uh, God against him, and in this way does not allow him to af- avenge him. And so the state of a good heart itself cannot make the enemy an avenge avenger silent if a person does not begin to construct praise to God from the situation the fact that we forgave is good the fact that we forgave is good but we need to now build a uh, construct praise to God because you construct it from a good heart that does not have offense 
And this is what allows the enemy and avenger to become silent. As it is written out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may, si that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. And so you don't ordain praise or strength in this case if you have offense in your heart. So if you forgive a person, then you need to praise. But sometimes there's a paradox. I forgive a person, but I don't praise God, but God wants to hear my praise. Or <clears throat> I want to praise God, but we have offense in our heart. No, I forgive the one who offended me, and then I began to praise God. If the potential of good contained in a good heart will not be opened up in praise to God, we will never make the enemy and avenger silent to pr to please God, it is necessary to bring to God an offering of praise for who God is to us and what God has done for us. This was the first component of revealing uh, a spiritual Christian. We need to <clears throat> have the, the quality of, a, of an infant, to have a, a pure heart before God, a heart that does not have offenses, <clears throat> and from the mouth you will ordain praise, it says. This is not talking about small babies. This is talking about spiritual people. We have the, the we have a quality where we do not hold offense or in our heart. This is a very interesting first component. Second component of the judgment of God, in collaboration with the power of the acceptable will, is called to keep our life and life of our nation from the sword. Esther 7.3 then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given to me at my petition and my people at my request. And so if I have found favor in your sight and if it pleases the king. And so favor and pleasure. And so here we see here the good and acceptable will. Preserving our life and that of our nation, a member of which we are in the power of the acceptable will, was demonstrated in condemning to death the one who tried to put us and our nation to death. In this situation, it was Haman. Therefore, a person who satisfies the requirements of the acceptable will of God is a person first who satisfies the requirements of uprightness before God or the demand of the good will. In the given situation, we see how a person at the time of the alarm of the sounding trumpet this was Queen Esther in that moment, informed of the coming danger in the form of the old man to, pl to please God by condemning your sinful origin to death, using for this purpose the camp that faces the east, that is the power of the goodwill. And so every time in the nation of Israel they had danger and the trumpet would sound, there were three camps that always faced the east. This was the will, uh, the good, acceptable, and perfect will. Queen Esther knew this, and when she saw that Haman wants to kill her nation, and her, of course, with the rest of the Jewish nation, she turned to the eastern side. And what's on the eastern side, the teaching of the eternal judgment, the three wills. And she came to Artaxerxes and said, the eastern side rose and if I found favor in your sight and if it pleases the king and he said what there's danger within my within my 
within my kingdom. And so we don't just come to God and say, Lord, protect us. We need to rise up as the camp and we need to proclaim what God, who God is to us and what he's done for us. And then into the acceptable will, if it is good to you, it's not help, help, and help. You need to raise three of the tribes to be able to uh, receive help and to raise up these three tribes to be able to activate the power of the eternal judgment in these three wills, the good, acceptable, and perfect will, you need five qualities. Esther needed to have them. First, what or who we listen to. She listened to Mordecai, and she listened to the word of God, uh, word of God through Mordecai. Where and upon whom we need to look, look at the promise that God gave her through Mordecai. Third, the level of responsibility we are given. That is, she functioned only within the rank of her responsibility. Fourth, the potential of faith that we will have in our heart. She concealed this potential of faith in the format of hope, and she had this hope. And from the position of this hope, she called upon the will of God, the good, acceptable, perfect will, and activated the judgment of God against Haman. And the fifth, the nature of confession that we will confess. We see that how Esther did this, a very interesting second component of the way it was used by Esther. The Lord wants to keep our life and the life of our nation from being destroyed. And for this, it is necessary to raise up three tribes. There were millions of people in this nation. And you, you don't just call out for help by stating, help me. You need to state who God is for you, what he's done for you. And in the accept that was in the goodwill. Now in the, in the acceptable will is if it is favorable to you and it is good in your sight, uh, that it's not my will, but your Lord be. And if I die, I will die in the case. If I live, I will live. If I die, I die in the Lord. If I live, I live in the Lord, because we are the Lord's. Third component of the of the judgment of God in collaboration with the power of the acceptable will is called to give us a testimony that we have pleased God before we are taken to God. And so there was a person who pleased God, who collaborated with the Lord, not just in the goodwill, but also the acceptable will. Hebrews 11, 5, 6. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He made a covenant of salt with God. We can say it in this situation, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch pleased God because he walked before God. This means Enoch walked by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 For we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk with what dream I had or what a sister saw about me or there's a good dream, there's a bad dream. We don't follow these things. Visions or personal personal dreams or other dreams of other people. We follow faith and this is knowledge and not visions. Knowledge and information. We have knowledge. Enoch did not look at or base things on his emotions and feelings. He based things upon his faith, which is his knowledge, knowledge they received from God written upon his heart. 
he wrote in his heart this promise that we also have today. And we need to very clearly, the boundaries need to be very clearly seen. It took him 300 years, Enoch, 300 years until God took him. The testimony that Enoch received that he had pleased God, which we also are called to receive before we are taken to God, consists in God establishing us as kings over our calling. God will never give us a calling if he will, in the resurrection, in the the enthroning of the resurrection of Christ in our body, any promise corresponds to our fruit. And looking at the fruit, you can then tell what kind of promise this person received. And so by your fruit, God determines you. Your And by your reaction and fruit, God will see. Because you can manif- uh, proclaim a manifestation uh, and lift any hand, but God will look still at the fruit that we produce uh, as we receive this promise that belongs to the door of our hope. This promise can't be received uh, unless... We are on that sharp rock, as we remember we talked about, where we have this nest and where we could see food, we could see our food from afar and be also in the cleft of the rock like a dove. Because being in the cleft, then you are able to be on top of the rock where you will be able to uh, create your nest and be able to see from afar God's promises. And so David also received this just as Enoch did. Second Samuel 5, 11, 12. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. He, looking at this fruit, looking at this house built of cedar, he saw that this fruit corresponds to this promise, the enthroning of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies, he will make us kings over our prom- uh, over uh, over his the promises that we have received. Fourth component of the judgment of God in collaboration with the power of the acceptable will is called to make us good soldiers of Jesus Christ able to overcome suffering. This is for warriors in prayer. In the acceptable will, the Lord wants to make us good warriors that will be able to overcome suffering. 2 Timothy 2, 3-7 You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And so again, not confusing the responsibility that we have. Not uh, engaged in war. One engaging in warfare again does not entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Because cares and responsibility are quite different. And so, what are these affairs of life that Pastor explains? Affairs of life are the cares 
Affairs of life are cares of life. To entangle yourself with the affairs of life means use the principles of faith to decide the cares of life. And so to please God, we need to use principles of faith to implement the kingdom of heaven inside of ourselves. And so this is again to establish the kingdom of heaven in our essence to please Christ as our commander. It is necessary to, for us to use these principles of faith. Matthew 6, 31-33 Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Summing up his words, Apostle Paul said, The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all these things. It's taken from the very same place of Scripture, 2 Timothy 2, 3-7. Looking at these, we can conclude that to listen to the word of the kingdom of heaven is the labor of the farmer who prepares the soil of his heart to listen to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. Ecclesiastes 5, 1, Walk prudently when you go into the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know what they do, that they do evil. When we prepare the soil of our heart to listen to the preached word of the kingdom of heaven and listening to this word, we receive it gladly. We please God and as a farmer of our field, we will be the first to eat of the fruit that we have sown. We hear the word of God and our heart as a farmer is prepared, the soil of our heart, and we don't use principles of faith for worldly things but to implement these principles into our life so we can expand the kingdom of heaven within ourselves as it says seek first the kingdom of heaven in his righteousness just like that little spider who uh, who begins to prepare his web he begins to weave his web and he has a goal the goal is he needs to get to the very middle and he creates his web and, once, and he has achieved the kingdom of heaven and he stays in the middle holding on and he seeks the kingdom of heaven and now sometimes in this web you can, they, they ca- it catches uh, flies it catches other kinds maybe insects and these are the things that are added to it he seeks the kingdom of heaven as a symbol here example here he sits in the center of the web and he's seeking the kingdom of heaven and as an addition to things added to it he will receive different things that may get caught in that web God showed this uh, example in nature fifth component of the judgment of God collaborating with the power of the acceptable will is called to deliver us from the law of sin and death by the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ Romans 8 1 through 14 there therefore now is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was it was weak through the flesh God did by sending his own son by the like in the like likeness of sinful flesh in the likeness of the sinful flesh on the account of sin he condemned sin to the flesh that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit 
For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you who are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. And so as we know, uh, Timothy and others, they diligently worked on the word that Apostle Paul would give them as we diligently work on the word that our uh, our messenger gives us. I focus on the words of Apostle Paul and then reading the labors of our Apostle uh, Arkady. There and there, uh, you need to take time to be able to understand it and dig into the word that is being presented uh, so that you can understand them. And Apostle Paul, he called Timothy and the others as his sons because they studied uh, all these things as, as sons would. Because you have to read the entirety of it and then you need to study in detail then uh, what what is being said and understand every example, understand every detail, what it's referring to, what it's connected to, and be able to come to a actual conclusion as to each one. It's good that you have material that you can work with. As David passed on to Solomon, not just the materials, but also the instructions and the, we could say, blueprints for the building of the temple. God never violates the sovereign rights. And so, that's one thing just to read, but also you need to dig in, you need to uh, study in more depth so that you comprehend it. And we see that Solomon did this as well. He had incredible writing that he also wrote, uh, Solomon, as we know. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, making us free from the law of sin and death, is identified as the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of God living within us. If a person cannot confirm and identify the essence of the Spirit of Christ in himself, then such a person does not belong, belong in Christ or belong to Christ. The Spirit of Christ or the Spirit of God is the character and nature of Christ, which we receive by the fact of our birth from God in our new person that is born according to God by Christ Jesus. And the Spirit of Christ in man is identified as a good heart, that by sprinkling is cleansed from a dirty cleansed from a dirty conscience. And this happens when man receives justification freely by grace in redemption in Jesus Christ. There is a law by which the physical body lives, and the law works while the spirit of man is in the body. However, as soon as the spirit of man leaves the body, it dies because the body without the spirit is dead. It is the same with the the law of the spirit of life. This is the law by which the body of Christ lives and functions. And this law is the seed of the kingdom of heaven, which we receive by listening to the preached word. 
the law of the spirit of life is in the form of the seed, <clears throat> the seed of the kingdom of heaven, the word we receive in the format of the preached word, not the word that we just read, but the word that is being preached. This phrase is very important. This affects not just where we are, and how, but also how close we are. The preached word. <clears throat> My faith comes from hearing the word. And you say, Lord, what kind of word? And so you may read the word, but... And so then there's another will say, well, because I read the word, that's enough for me. The other will say, well, it's because I have something in myself as something being revealed to me. But no, it's the words of the person whom the word of the person whom God has placed over us. And the Lord will see it, whether that's in our heart as the, someone that he wants to spend eternity with. The seed of the kingdom of heaven, which we have allowed to fertilize our heart, is precisely this law of the spirit of life in our new person, freeing our spirit from the law of sin and death. However, the law of sin and death, which previously ruled over all of our essence, including the spirit, soul, and body, loses control over the born spirit of man, where receiving the word of truth, the law of the spirit of life, comes to power, and this happens when we choose to live by the law, by the laws of our spirit and put the works of the flesh to death. The law of sin, <clears throat> the law of sin and death, again, loses control over the spirit where receiving the word of truth, the law of the spirit of life comes to power, and this happens when we choose to live by the laws of our spirit and put the works of the flesh to death. What can we note again is the law of the spirit of life had power before being born again over our spirit, soul, and body, but when we received the word of God, the kingdom of heaven, we received it when we heard it, the preached word. We receive this preached word and we receive the kingdom of heaven and the, the law of the spirit, the law of sin and death no longer has uh, access to that area that has uh, the kingdom of heaven and from our spirit we removed that control of the law of sin and death. We began to live according to the law of the spirit of life and we now begin to put the works of the flesh to death. We don't just make the decision to live according to, to the laws of our spirit or the law of the spirit of life, but we put the works of flesh to death. And we expand then this territory from the spirit into our soul that is over our mind. And how do you, and how do, you do it? By listening to the preached word. And the, listening to the preached word we then take from the spirit into our mind and when we put into our mind in this area of our, our the area of our soul then becomes free of the law of sin and death but i still age what shall i do what is here is our lips this is our body and now it's necessary to activate the body so that these lips can uh, cover this body with the resurrection of christ clothe this body we begin to expand expand this territory and uh, remove this enemies from all the areas of our essence 
And to be led by the Spirit of God is to live by the law of the Spirit of life inherent to every person that is born from God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is that power that activates and collaborates with the law of the Spirit of life we already have, functioning within the within the boundary of the body of Christ, the partakers of which we <clears throat> of which we are because of the fact of our birth from God. Understandably, such knowledge becomes accessible to us exclusively when we are born from our, from the Spirit and make a covenant of salt in the given baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can have the baptism of the Holy Spirit but not make a covenant of salt. You can be again baptized by the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and think you're spiritual. But the scriptures say that but this person didn't make a covenant of salt. This alone Speaking in tongues doesn't make a personal spiritual. The Lord speaks of our our holiness only in the covenant of salt. You can have, again, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not, not make a covenant of salt until we have left the state of spiritual infancy. To leave the state of infancy and be born from the Spirit, it is necessary to be a student and learn to abide in the elementary teaching of Christ. Only in this way are we able to please God and draw the favor of God upon ourselves in the level of the acceptable will. Sixth component of the judgments of God in collaboration with the power of the acceptable will is called to make us independent from the judgments of man who attempt to determine or judge what is good and what is bad, not depend upon the judgments of man and ourselves not judge what is good and bad independently. Galatians 1.10 For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men... I would not be a bondservant of Christ. He's again saying, I do not seek to please men, I seek to please God. Why? Because I am a bondservant of Christ. Another place, 1 Corinthians 4, 3, 4. But with me it is very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, Yet I am not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Not uh, go off of the judgments of others and not uh, judge yourself. Oh, I sang badly today, or I preached badly today, or I felt dryness, uh, and not do these, make these kinds of judgments. I learned from our pastor who who does not allow himself to judge himself. Oh, don't place me. I, it doesn't work for me. This is a form of arrogance. And so you would think it's a form of humility. Lord, it's not working. Maybe you should put somebody else. This is a ar- form of arrogance also. That And never speak such foolishness in the presence of pastor in these types of circumstances. Seventh component of the judgment of God in collaborating with the power of the acceptable will is only able to happen in Christ. Out of Christ, the acceptable will does not exist. Second Peter one seventeen, For he received from God the power, uh, God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We've already noted that the favor of God in His Son 
is the result of pleasing the Father. His Son loved His righteousness that functions functions in His justice, in His just and perfect judgments, and hated also lawlessness, resisting His righteousness. And so why do we obtain God's favor? Because Jesus Christ Himself pleased God and He pleased Him and in Him we have now His favor. Therefore, according to this place of Scripture, and it's not the only one, we conclude that to please God is possible only in one way. This is allowing the Holy Spirit to place us into Christ who pleased His Father and in in Christ God's favor abides. How do we again please God? We place ourselves into Christ, into Christ, who as no one else pleased Him, and that's why God's favor is in Him. For this purpose, it is necessary for us to possess certain criteria by which we can judge as to whether we are in Christ or we only think that we are in Him. Here are a couple of uh, components of abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ who pleased God, we will be a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. (coughs) And so, what is a new creation? This means that not just to know that in Christ Jesus we are a new creation, but also that in Christ Jesus we receive the ability to continually renew and be perfected in our spirit. Second Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The character of such renewal in the power of the acceptable will will be accompanied by a battle of two laws in our essence, one of which will bring us joy and the other will oppress us and will produce for us the bitterness of death. Romans 7.22-25 For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And so this person has renewed his mind, and he sees in his members another law, that battles against the law of the spirit of life. And that's why he said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death. And we state at the beginning, may the Lord be enthroned within our bodies. What is this proclamation? This is a wretched man I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. This doesn't mean that we sin. This means that this law continues to have place in our body because the time of the fulfillment of the promises have not yet happened. It's not talking about any individual sins. The battle of these two laws within the heart of man, which has become a field of battle in the fight of these two mutually exclusive laws, 
is something God foretold and established back in the Garden of Eden, right after man fell into sin as a necessity for the restoration of his relationship with man, which has now been lost. Genesis 3.14.15 So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and your and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. <clears throat> in the seed of the of the woman who is Christ in us conceals is concealed the perfect law of liberty. At the same time, the seed of the serpent, which is the sinful inheritance of our fathers, conceals the law of sin and death. Both seeds ended up in the heart of the woman. One of the seeds, in the form of the perfect law of liberty, made itself known in the new man, who was called a new creation in Christ Jesus. The other seed, in the form of the law of sin and death, made itself known in the old man with his deeds and was called the man of sin and death. And the type of law a person begins paying attention to and collaborate with is the law that will become the harvest of man at the end of the age. <clears throat> and so we pay attention to the law of, of God because the kind of thoughts you have is who you are. The Lord does not look at the desires that are in our body. He looks at the thoughts that are in our mind that we can we decide to think about. And the Lord uh, evaluates us based on uh, the thoughts that we choose to have instead of just the desires that are in our body. And so, yeah, we may hear these things. Uh, we heard these before, these things before, but these are re- revolutionary, and these are things that continue to be in our body. Uh, and is the importance of what is in our mind, the kind of heart a person has is who he is. That does it, it doesn't say in scripture what kind of desires you have is who you are. That is a deception of the devil if that is something stated. The kind of uh, thoughts that are in your soul, your mind, and it is the ones that you decide to have. And so when we have the word of God in our mind, that's how the Lord says, I judge about your mind and we can't, of course, have that in our mind until we have something in our spirit. If you comprehend and sense a battle of these two laws in yourself, then this means that you have the opportunity to collaborate with the power of the acceptable will. We need to see in ourselves this fight. And if you resist within your heart the law of sin and death and stand on the side of the perfect law of liberty and begin to pay attention and collaborate with it, then this way you please God. Romans 8, 1, 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Abiding in Christ, who pleased God, we will also have peace with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not in putting their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation, the ability to abide in the power of the abilities of the acceptable will, and in this way to please God consists in presenting God evidence of the righteousness that we have, which we have received in the goodwill by faith in Christ Jesus, freely by grace, by the means of his teaching about redemption. 
Therefore, every time we turn to our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, we before turning to God with any kind of need, first present to Him evidence of our belonging and partaking to His family and His righteousness. Confessing the faith of our heart that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior and that God has resurrected Him for our justification gives us the legitimate right to collaborate with the power of the acceptable will and please God so that you can eliminate the old man within within yourself with his deeds. Next, abiding in Christ, who, who pleased God. <clears throat> we please God when we are in Christ and when we abide in Christ. So abiding in Christ, who pleased God, we will have a good conscience. 1 Peter 3.16 having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, who, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We together have more than once paid attention to this term that is translated from the Greek language spoken in, in the form of a command, which is to have, and that it is taken in this place from the military lexicon and is given as a military command, have a good conscience versus having a good conscience. And so the, these, uh, the commandments or command as we know in the form versus options or choices, this is a command that's given to be followed. And so we see that the apostle says, "Have a good con- having a good conscience." In the spiritual realm, this means we will either pay with our life in the flesh for the right to have and to keep a good conscience, or keeping our soul, we then will lose our good con- our good conscience and will experience shipwreck in our faith, which is why we will pay with spiritual death. To keep a good conscience is to keep faith and the word of patience in your patience in Christ. Practically, this is an unnoticeable daily act of faith where we please God and obtain His favor. And so it says, keeping a good, having a good conscience, and that is, keep the faith and the word of God's patience, which means an unnoticeable daily act of faith where we please God and obtain His favor. Not every hour or every day, but every every moment, every second of every day. Because the devil will try to put a sinful thought into our heart every second, every day, all the time, uh, having this uh, uh, in the fact of daily, that is every single moment of every day. And so this is an act of faith. We continually do perform. Every, uh, if a dirty thought comes into your mouth or a bad thought, uh, uh, you then decide what to do with it. And you have uh, the decision to separate from this bad thought. And so again, every second uh, of every day, act, an act of faith, God promises that by the means of keeping a good conscience, our enemies 
who defame us as evildoers will be ashamed because they will see our good lives in Jesus Christ. Revelations 3, 9-11 Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep your keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth behold I come quickly hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown and so if they defame you for something that you did not do the scriptures say rejoice because in this way we please God further to abide in Christ who pleased God is to take part in Christ's sufferings to abide in Christ is to take part in the sufferings and the trials of Christ. First Peter 5.10 But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. <clears throat> in the acceptable will of God, we need to overcome uh, suffering or, or short uh, short sufferings. They for themselves, sufferings, have never made anyone perfect, has never established anyone, never settled anyone, never strengthened anyone. But suffering itself, it brings us to perfection in one situation. When first, we are in Christ, and second, when our reaction to suffering is joy in God. Sometimes you hear the saying, I suffer for the Lord. Or uh, somebody truly has committed a sin or done something and says they're suffering for the Lord. And, and uh, these are not the same thing. And so again, let us read this again. Suffering, which the Lord allows into our life, this is the lot of every person. All people suffer on earth. The Christian, non-Christian, all Muslims and Christians and Buddhists and Satanists all suffer. All people get sick. All people age this is the lot of every person. <clears throat> but uh, suffering <clears throat> brings us to perfection under one circumstance or the conditions that we are in Jesus Christ and that we correctly react to these sufferings. Not when I say, I'm sick and I say, thank you, Lord, for, for the sickness, but I thank God and I rejoice in God the he- for the healing I have in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Abiding in Christ who pleased God we will have righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, <clears throat> and wisdom, 1 Corinthians one thirty. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, abiding in Christ, who pleased God, we will carry his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15.22-23 For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each 
one in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterwards those who are in Christ at his coming. We will pray right now, and we, I call every person who would like to resist the law of sin and death up here. And we do this <clears throat> when we repent before God. We repent in our sins and offenses. If we had offenses in our heart, then this offense will definitely bring us to bloodshed. It will not allow us to go to heaven. We need to completely be free of sin and offenses. Sometimes a person does not sin and lives as if it were a decent religious life. But inside, in his heart, he has uh, this leprosy. He, is a, he, is, he has this anger, bitterness against his brother. And we're going to do that in this place. We'll say in this place that we are in Jesus Christ. You have become our redemption, our righteousness. And we have it only in you. And he is here at the altar. And we will receive and establish this in our own lives. Let us pray. I will be praying our prayer <clears throat> and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side he's not against you he has loved you with an eternal love he has given us the work of his redemption he has stood between us and our enemies to protect us from our enemies and to lift us up to his level close your eyes this is your secret room hands are lifted to to God this is your readiness to receive from God what he has prepared for you pray together with me Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation, 
I opened up my heart so that you may see my pain, my suffering, my the wounds that are inflicted by sin and lust, which I hate and that I despise. I come to you with my dependence, with sin that I'm bound with, illnesses, fears, a pampered dignity and dishonor. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, protect me with the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his, grace, with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. May with noise the stronghold of death be thrown out from your body, and in its place may the stronghold of life be erected. May all these blessings be on you and upon your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. And before we finish with our manifestation, I'd like to call Daniel Berzenki and his future spouse. Please, if you could please applaud them. Daniel is the son of our sister, Mary Berzenki, and Sister Anna, she's from the Baptist ser ser service from Vancouver, and so they had decided to uh, to make this promise to one another. They are bride and groom. They know the rules that they're supposed to live within the parameters uh, before they become husband and wife. And so it is uh, necessary to abide within the commandments, those boundaries, and to keep things clean and holy and not follow the cultures uh, of the world and so we need to remember again there are laws and there are laws that exist between a bride and groom and then a husband and wife and so now when you see them together please uh, don't be uncomfortable because they are legitimately a couple Now let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.